0: Today's episode is presented by Lodestar, the fee experts. Hi, everyone. Welcome to this week's episode of Lodestar's Lending Leaders. I'm really excited to dive into our topic today. We have with us uh, Lair Headland Nosuli, um, CEO at iEmergent. Um, and iEmergent, Laird will describe this a lot better than me, but they basically leverage data to identify diverse lending opportunities, even more important in this market right now, um, Laird, thanks so much for coming on. We'd love to, you know, hear about your journey to this industry and the types of problems you're solving at iEmergent or Emergent as you uh, originally called the company.
1: Well, thanks, Jim. I'm happy to be here and you'll find that this is a topic I can talk a lot about.
0: Great. So what um so what what got you interested in looking solving the problem of how to address, you know, lending opportunities outside of What's considered mainstream?
1: Yeah, so um, as I think some people may know, um, Emergent was actually founded 20 years ago by my dad. Mm-hmm. Um, and he had he was a um, an executive at uh, Wells Fargo, um, sort of a, a chief change maverick of a thinker. So it wasn't, you know, he was dealing with what we call, what they used to call emerging markets, you know, the diverse market group yeah. um, back then and, and working on um, a lot of issues in terms of how to think think ahead. And you know, it came to a point where um, he and the rest of the executive team didn't see eye to eye on doing that. So he decided to leave and start iEmergent. And um, when he did, he you know, didn't really, you know, he was a really, like I said, a brilliant thinker, but not much of a sales guy.
0: Mm-hmm. So he just
1: kind of thought he'd start iEmergent and people would come. Um, But really, the the beginning of it was starting to think about how to think ahead and, you know, make forward-looking decisions, which, you know, in a transactional um, industry is a little bit harder to do. And as he was out there consulting, he realized that there was this big gap in the type of information that was available. So Mm -hmm. how can you think ahead and make good strategic decisions if there's no data to, to, you know, to support it? So he went back to the drawing board for a number of years, and you know Mm -hmm. he did have a background in predictive modeling um, from earlier years. And so he spent two years really working on a forecast methodology that is now, you know, now for um, 15 years has been our, you know, kind of what we do. That's a really unique value proposition. Mm -hmm. And part of that was being able to project, you know, where loans and dollars will be down to the census tract level of detail, Mm -hmm. and of course. Also becoming, you know, broader and starting to look at different segments. So, enter me as a um, newly graduated um, MSW, Masters in Social Work candidate, mm-hmm. who came back to Iowa to help her dad in mm-hmm. 2007 or 2007. Mm-hmm. The Obviously, the market crashed at the end of 2007. Emergent lost about 85% of its revenue overnight, and suddenly here we were. And, um, you know, we, we crawled back up and we're really still focused on just that overall growth issue. And then in 2009, my father was diagnosed with a terminal lung disease. Mm -hmm. And um, he uh, had a lung transplant on uh, February 1st, 2014. And overnight I became CEO. So Mm -hmm. He had to be in rochester for um at mayo clinic Mm -hmm. for a whole year so that's when i started taking over unfortunately um my dad had a lot of challenges that he couldn't overcome and so we lost him in march of 2016. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: but so in a sense um you know he'd always been talking about emerging markets and the the importance especially after the the um -hmm. collapse about how you have to really value community and stop thinking in terms of loan units and dollars and think in terms of families and those mm-hmm. kinds of things so it was always in his vision that way but for me it really became an opportunity to start seeing and bringing another you know my whole community development background to the table mm-hmm. You know, hit on the core values i've i emergent in the first place but it also really aligned in the last three years with the direction that the market is going okay mm-hmm. so you know i will be honest with you you know 20s 2020 started having more business in 2021, our company exploded in 2022, and now we've yeah. tripled our client account in seven months.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: A lot of that has to do with this sort of, what I call the um, uh, uh, the trifecta of opportunities, right? We've got a demographic world where um, basically 77% of all net household growth came from non-Hispanic or non-non-Hispanic white people, So, you know, we have them, but like, I like to just use my hands for this, but the, you know, the population, the household formation is going up with minority groups. Mm -hmm. Um, But on the other hand, the homeownership gap that's been in place for decades is actually widening. I don't know how many people realize that, but despite everything we've been doing Mm -hmm. to work on this issue for the past decade, it's clearly not working because that gap just widens. And so you think about that happens is you've got this, you know, divergence of um where the market's going and how well you can serve that market. Mm-hmm. Add in a really challenging um year when yeah. business isn't coming off the, you know, coming out of the walls and a regulatory environment that's stronger. And suddenly our value proposition and what we started building with Market Smart three years ago is really attractive. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't, it wasn't like by surprise that right. um. So we're in this place, we saw this position company. we are forecasters, and we decided to um, kind of in our own world, pair our interests with what the market needed. Mm -hmm. And um, so that's kind of where we are now and why, you know, my path to this um, initially maybe had been on more of the nonprofit side. So in all the community development work I've done, I've realized that nothing happens if the financial institutions aren't at the table. And so that's why, for me, my path to this is giving lenders um, tools and support so -hmm. that they can get to that table and become empowering and and agents of positive change, if you will.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I think that's. Amazing. And um, I always like to say people either stumble into this industry or are born into it. Um, This seems like we're both in the latter category. I grew up in a family owned title company. So I saw during the Great Recession, that company go from 90 employees to 20. Right. So I had, I've, you know, lived a lot of those, those similar situations. Um, And that's, that's the reason they were my first client, right? That was where I started. So I have had a very, very similar path um and you that resonates and it's it's really cool too seeing like when you first hear oh social work what does that have to do with the mortgage industry and then by the end of you just describing it here right it's just so tied together i think in the the community building and when i'm you know the times i've been at the the family title company um and seeing the office it's um it's always really um, touching to see someone come in and close on a home, right? Because you're you're dealing with units, you're dealing with numbers. I'm selling a calculator here for for Pete's sake, right? But you actually see what it means to someone to go in and buy a home, and that how important that is. So it really puts it into a context that I think is is really good. And you said something um, Laird about like bringing the financial institutions to the table. So um, one of the things that has come up a lot when we talk about different topics is you know the quote unquote right thing to do. And the thing that helps your business can be the same, right? And, and I saw a LinkedIn post of you saying the dichotomy between diverse lending and profits. So how how do you get people to realize, hey, what's good for communities is also good for your business?
1: Well, I think in this particular case, um, the data don't lie, right? I mean, <clears throat> when they, it's a pretty strong case to make um, when you see the, the hustle formation look like it looks. Yeah. Um, about two years ago, the MBA asked me to um, become a national partner in their convergence initiative initially mm-hmm. in Memphis. And they asked me to speak. And I, for the first time, prepared what I call the tale of two futures for Memphis. And I calculated opportunity in Memphis with the <laughs> status quo lending. And I calculated opportunity, meaning like loans and dollars over the next five years in Memphis, which what I called the new paradigm, the, mm-hmm. the better way of doing things, right? And it, really is a difference in how you know how do you look at diversity is it central is it peripheral are we thinking ahead or are we looking you know um, reactively i don't know there's six actually six different components to it but when i calculated that and i identified the difference in billions of dollars Mm -hmm. in just memphis the lenders perked up at that and then suddenly like i had people coming up to me saying hey you know that's great how you're looking at it um can you tell me more so I just started doing more and more thinking about that issue, and again, we're it, it, not every problem out there is has the data supporting it like this one does, right? So, there, so there's one on the supply. I call that the demand side. That's a demand side yeah. help if you can take the problem and show people very, very clearly mm-hmm. what's in it for them, dollar wise. Yeah. that makes sense. But there's another side of that, and that's that the industry has long time been plagued with you know, really high attrition rates, um, you know, buying each other's loan officers. It, it's not always been the most strategic uh, and long-term thinking. So one of the things that's a problem in, in just it's inherent in an industry where you, this is how you're paid. When you start thinking about the short, intermediate and long-term strategies, mm-hmm. the, like the long game versus the sprint, mm-hmm. that starts making it easier as well. And you start talking about, okay, well, let's say, you maybe you have a, a, a borrower, a potential borrower calls you on the phone and they're not ready today. They they just like their credit score is too low or they don't have cash for clothes, yeah. but whatever the issue is, and you say, sorry, not today. Okay, you lose that, you know, that person, you you leave right. them on the homeownership journey. Let's say you say, you know what, not yet, right? Right. And then you end up, you know, finding this customer. And the interesting thing, not really interesting, but the reality is that for diverse and historically underserved markets, you know, there's three things that are keeping them, a trust gap, an education gap, and a finance and credit gap. Mm-hmm. And if you think about those three gaps and you start helping fill those, that trust gap is one of the most important ones. And if you're the first institution that finally makes them feel comfortable, yeah. that finally believes in their ability to be homeownership, they right. don't forget that they're right. extremely loyal and it becomes, you know, one person that you help becomes four pr- prospects and that just builds. Yeah. And so if we start thinking about this in the same way that, you know, the industry thinks about, you know, building a realtor base, mm-hmm. it starts to be language that they understand. Yeah. And then you That's throw in, mm-hmm. you know, after the, the, the great part though is after they start going through what you talked about, when you go on and you see someone close on a home, when they start thinking about and seeing that the the value that they're bringing to families i believe and i, and I it's been what i it's, it's emotional for me to think about and watch yeah. but i start seeing a change in mindset yeah i start seeing a, what can we do instead of what should we do
2: mm-hmm. and
1: um you know like one of my clients is the third and they have a, a great tagline it said a family not a file
2: yeah
1: you know and, and I think that that is the mindset, you know, again, I think change is hard. Um, mm-hmm. But when you give people tools, you support them and you show them both that business value and the, you know, the social or emotional value of it, mm-hmm. it ends up not being a very hard sell.
0: Mm-hmm. No, I, I mean, it makes sense. You know, obviously the data is one thing. I'm an engineer by education, love looking at numbers, love looking at data, um, yeah. but how do you put it into practice at the end of day to day? So you know you've I I feel like this is something you see a lot of people do poorly, right? So the data's there. Okay, we know we want more um, Hispanic Latino families coming in. So hey, se habla español. Put on everything we do. Done. Problem solved. Right. Like how do you yeah right how do you actually implement a plan to address you know the the three components there the trust the education the finance like once someone goes through the step of being like layered okay I get that there's data here I get that this is an opportunity you know how are we putting this into practice
1: right oh and that that is that's the the great thing is that one of my favorite um, mm-hmm. quotes is without strategy um, execution is pointless
0: mm-hmm.
1: and without execution strategy is aimless
2: mm-hmm.
1: I love that because that sort of reflects for me my very very fast and volatile learning curve as running someone running a business and you know trying to you know sell it and create a product we have over time had to make Market smart smart right yeah. we had to you know I kind of assumed at the beginning that if I gave people the data they would know what to do with it that's It's not that they don't know what to do with it. It's an entirely new way of thinking about it, right? And so part of that, you know, is just putting the data together. You know, one of the things that we've added um, in the past two years was initially we had focused on our forecast because nobody else does that. You know, as a business, you like to talk about your unique value proposition. But going back to that quote, I had so many clients like, this is great data. You know, it's a nice to have, not a need to have. What can I do with it, Larry? What can I do with it? So we started bringing in the real-time MLS listing. We started bringing in county recorder data. We started bringing in the locations of churches and Mm -hmm. libraries and hospitals and a whole bunch of different things Mm -hmm. to suddenly make that data really actionable. Mm -hmm. The complicated part, though, is that the problems and the the situation behind the problem is really complicated, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, we're looking at, and I was just doing research in St. Louis over the weekend, we're looking at, you know, decades of housing covenants, you know, historically, like the homeowners loan corporation and the beginning of redlining starting in 1915, you know, to 1940 ish. You're looking at history that has prevented home ownership for a huge group of people, right? And so Mm -hmm. that has created this issue with, you know, the gaps, not just in housing, it's in education, it's in health, and it's in wealth. So you add all those things together and it can seem overwhelming. You know, a lender, can a lender really work on the fact that a particular prospect has a 35000 median income? Not really. But when you start taking that data apart and you look at, okay, let's say, for example, we use the HMDA data and we think about, um, you know, okay, it looks like, you know, c- cutoff scores. We can't do anything under a 700 you start thinking about, well, what can we do? Mm-hmm. You know, So you add that incremental risk and you start thinking about um, very targeted strategies instead of really generic ones. Mm-hmm. Like there is no diverse market strategy, right? right? We've had people say, well, I just need someone that speaks Asian. And that, I'm yeah. so, you know, go back to the drawing, like, okay, we have to start from the beginning. Yeah, Let's yeah. talk about what that means. Let's talk about the difference in marketing to, you know, young people who are on the Internet and maybe need a homeowner happy hour and older people that are really connected to their churches. Yep. You know, let's move beyond finding new realtors and getting the best loan officers. That Those are important. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. But those don't work if you have the wrong product. You can have the perfect product, but if you don't have anyone to, you know, going into the community, talking, yeah. seeing how people feel, that doesn't work. And so it really goes back to how do you create a comprehensive strategy mm-hmm. that's thinking about all these pieces at the same time? Yep. That you're thinking about all the things that have caused the problem in the first place.
0: And what are are different about the product? You mentioned the you know trust, education, finance. So in the financial piece, what are different about those products that a lender may not be doing before they start to talk to you? Like what what changes at that tactical level are being made?
1: Well, I think, um, and one of the things that we're working on a lot, um, in fact, it's kind of another explosive part of the business is helping mm-hmm. lenders, um, you know, build and execute special purpose credit programs.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And, you know, SPCPs, they're in the news. Everyone's talking about them. And they've been in place for decades.
2: Mm-hmm. But
1: I think what I like about them can really be applied to any, any good strategy is that you have to do your homework. You have to go in and use data, determine a need, see what you might need to do to fill that need, right. figure out a way to evaluate it, constantly evaluate it, design an execution plan. So, mm-hmm. in a way, by that, you know, the recommendations from the CFPB to ask put this to put together this written plan, they're kind of it's a pain, but it's also helping protect the success of that um strategy, right? Mm-hmm. So I think SPCPs by opening up the, you know, making it so that, you know, ECOA isn't in the way, it's opposite. Mm-hmm. Then they realize, okay, I'm not going to necessarily get my hand slapped for doing something different for a protected class. Mm-hmm. If I can show that that protected class needs that extra support because it's not, um, we haven't been able to serve them equally.
0: Right.
1: That whole way of thinking is a mm-hmm. great place to start.
0: Right, and I I would think that that whole way of thinking would be very difficult when rates are two point seven five and refis are are falling out of the sky, right? You you would you had mentioned that the changes over the last year and the increased demand, um, obviously the slowdown in the market and the the increased competition, I would think is driving them. But has you know overall attitudes? How have over overall attitudes changed when folks look at you know the different markets?
1: Well you know they don't have time you know if the market's really great there's not time yep um with the exception of the people who are the neighborhood lending executives the CRA institution you know the CRA LOs the CRA managers the executives who are focused on that their their commitment to this never changes and it's, right. it's fantastic i mean they're they're amazing how committed they are as an organization though i think that um you know what is it? What do they say? Um, like a problem is the the greatest, whatever, of innovation. I, there's mm-hmm. there's a quote that just barely gets to the fact that when you have a problem, you start to have a solution. And that problem yep. is we don't have any opportunity. At the mm-hmm. same time, though, we saw early on, like in 2018, 2017, mm-hmm. when uh, profitability is a challenge and they're losing money on every loan, Trying to go out there and get more loans when you're you're losing money on every loan doesn't make a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. So there has to be like this perfect time, and I think now is that time mm-hmm. to, to start that process of short, intermediate, and long term.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: But I think what um, you know what I see people doing, and I'll be honest, we prepared for things slowing down for us because I know a lot of vendors or. You know, technology providers to, to lenders are seeing some cutback.
2: Yeah.
1: Not. And I think the reason for that is that it's an understanding that you can't wait anymore. Tomorrow is here. Yeah. These markets aren't emerging anymore. They've emerged. Yeah. And we don't know how to help them.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I think that driver is, is strong. Okay. And I think that overcomes some of the fears with some institutions. There are still some out there that are really like, oh, we can't spend any money. We can't do this. Um, Mm
2: -hmm.
1: But I think the majority of them are looking more long-term. And it helps us because when we can show them the data and they can start thinking ahead, they're like, okay, if we really want to be in business five, 10 years from now, Mm -hmm. how are we going to put in place today the strategies we need for tomorrow? Mm -hmm. And I think that's what's driving so much of it. Mm
0: -hmm. And in, in communities where that gap gets closed, right? Where these practices come into place, there's lenders, you know, giving affordable home access. What changes? What does that start to look like?
1: I'm gonna make you I'm gonna be a little bit negative here and tell you we haven't had a community have that yet Fair as enough. a whole, right? Yeah. We it's it is going to be a slow process. You know, yeah. the homeownership, the widest black, white home ownership gap of the top 100 MSAs is actually in Minneapolis. 50.1% mm-hmm. housing. Um, homeownership gap there, which is, you know, that's enormous. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that's just telling you how wide it is. There is not a, a metropolitan area where there's not a gap between the homeownership rate for Black families or Black individuals and or non Hispanic white. There mm-hmm. are a couple where Hispanic and white is really yeah. close, but nowhere is it the other is the, is the gap closed. So you have to start looking. Um, you know, there's always everyone's always said lending is local, right? Yeah. They have to start looking at local communities and start looking for local wins. And it, I believe it starts with you know, one lender at a time starting to do a good job with you know, a certain group of people, a certain neighborhood set of you know, community. One mm-hmm. lender helping and helping people start to feel like they can trust lenders again is yeah. the first step toward two people, then four, then eight. And that, you know, that that trust gap is not something that's really competitive in nature for lenders. And so one of the things I try to tell our clients is, you know, a lot of them are competing with each other, but they're not really, you know, yeah. why not, you know, there's shared risk models, there's a whole bunch of different things they could do if they look at each other and say, it doesn't really matter who has the right product. It matters that that home buyer isn't left behind. That's the message that is actually going to change things. And I've seen that with some, you know, we're starting to see some lenders say, hey, you know what? We don't have a product that'll help you, but let me connect you to Thrive Mortgage. They do, or you know, whatever, whomever that that is, mm-hmm. that mindset, starting to look at this as a kind of a shared responsibility is going to help with that trust gap. And I, I think for trust the trust gap, that's the biggest thing, right? Mm-hmm. The education gap, boy, we're learning that. Um, mm-hmm. Education is exactly what it sounds like it is. But there's one piece that we don't talk about, which is professionals educating professionals. Like we did a, a loan uh, real estate professional survey mm-hmm. and they don't they get most of their information on product from loan officers. And yet when we did this survey, the gaps in their, the lack of knowledge they had about knowing about all the down payment assistance programs out mm-hmm. there was huge. And so instead of just saying, hey, let's connect, Mr. Realtor. Teach educate here's how we can together help this group of people
0: And you know what coming at it like that and teaching someone and giving them skills that are going to help them is a lot better than saying hey can we talk can i take you out for lunch you know can i bring a box of donuts to your office right it's uh it's you're you're providing value at the end of the day and as as you know folks in sales i feel like that's always the the approach is i just want to help you solve a problem that you have if you don't have this problem fine we don't need to talk right like let's but Seems like in your case it's it's very much everywhere. So, uh, you know, really appreciate your time. I, it always goes by uh, too fast. So, um, to kind of be a good steward of your time here, um, the last question that we have of all of our guests is, um, what is your lodestar? What is your kind of guiding light? What inspires you to go out and, and do this work every day? All
1: right, I promise not to get emotional here. Okay, um, two two big pieces. One is on the internal side, my team not mm-hmm. just, you know, the people, like the four people that work with us, um, mm-hmm. family. Um, we have some really, really amazing vendors that, you know, we've really struggled for two decades to yeah. so start seeing success and see people put their trust in you, um, over and over again is really meaningful. And that's number mm-hmm. one. Number two, though, I have to give a shout out to most of the people I work with who are in those diverse lending um, markets, who are in the nonprofit sector. 80% mm-hmm. of them are people of color. Mm-hmm. They come to work, they do the hard work, and honestly, the attitude, the interest, the the, the energy they put to it mm-hmm. is humbling every single day. And I just feel lucky that like, they let me be at the table helping with them yeah. because, mm-hmm. I mean, the, the, the years of stuff, if you will, people have had to face. It's it's almost overwhelming and impossible to think about. And yet they come to the the table, they come to the, you know, to work every day and they keep trying to think about new things. And they're probably the biggest inspiration. Mm -hmm. I can't name just one because there's like one in every institution, one in every market, you know, 10. Um, But They're amazing.
0: No, that's, I mean, uplifting and great to see that. Like, it's a problem that's so gigantic when you think about it. You look at things like appraisal gaps and, you know, all these other issues that happen and what can go into someone's credit score that, you know, takes place over years and years and years. So I think the fact that folks like yourself are out there and people you work with chipping away is, you know, super, super uplifting. So I think it's a it's a great, great note to end on. Well
1: and Jim, one thing, you have to give yourself some credit. Keep focusing on this issue on, you know, Mm -hmm. this is a type of education. I love that you cared enough to have me on and I hope that you continue to keep the industry, uh, the, the, the issue front and center. So um, thank you for the work you do, too.
0: Oh, I mean, it's absolutely. And I think it's, you know, it's not mutually exclusive. Um, these are things that help your business at the end of the day and they can help people, too. And when you get that alignment, I think that's when things are are, are the most powerful. You know, we're not. You know, there's obviously a charitable involvement in a lot of things exactly. that you're doing. But at the same time, like these are things that can very much drive your business forward. So whether it be diverse lending, whether it be diversity, equity, inclusion, your own workforce, like people aren't up here on their high horse. They're doing it because it's going to help your business at the right. end of the day. So And that's OK, yeah. right? That's yeah. what we say. That, hey. No, that's what you need. That's the only way you're going to have long-term positive change. And that's fine. But like, you just have to, it takes a lot of work to identify that sometimes. And, you know, it takes a lot of work to, you know, figure out, oh, there's a special purpose credit program, which I had never heard of before today, right? Like, you know, it, it still takes work because it's it's not, it's hard. It's not the easy thing to do. And, you know, in, in good markets, people want to do the easy thing. And I think we're not in a good market right now. So, you know, hopefully um, the traction that people get, you know, in this market really helps to close that gap in the future.
1: I agree. It, yeah. It'll be yeah, I, I'm I'm proud of where everything's going for the I mean mm-hmm. for the industry. I'm proud that it's it's mm-hmm. moving forward when it should yeah. be. Mm-hmm.
0: Well, Larry, thank you so much for coming on. Uh, where can folks find you if um anyone is interested? Oh, in your, I'm yeah.
1: such an I'm not good at this. Um you can go to our website, it's www.iemergent.com. I'm on LinkedIn. Um I love to talk, help and think about these things. I have a team who'd love to show you any demos of our products. But um, yeah, we, we love to hear from lenders. We love to hear from community groups. Um, as many minds on this problem as possible um, is great. So love to hear from anybody.
0: Great. Thanks so much for coming on again. It was a pleasure.
1: Thanks a lot, Jimmy. It was a pleasure for me too.
0: Thank you for listening to Loadstar's Lending Leader. Please like, subscribe, and rate us five stars anywhere you get your podcast to give a special thank you to the Lodestar team involved in the production of this podcast, including Elena Gardner, Tim Austin, and John Gardner.